0: Okay, so we are here to talk about finding your personal ikigai, and I've got a few kind of concepts and ideas and uh, real thinking that I want to be sharing with you as we go through this session. To me, it is about kind of taking stock really of kind of where we are. For me, this is the sort of the starting point. I mean, most of us over the last couple of years have found things a little bit of a struggle, a little bit chaotic, a little bit uncertain. Um, Some of us have prospered. I'm not saying this is everybody, but for a number of people, and it may well be you, um, it's nice coming, almost feels like it's coming out the other side. I know there is still challenges and things, but I think both professionally and personally, kind of seeing the light at the end of the tunnel so to speak and that's really what i I think is the, the current context for a lot of people so if you've kind of been struggling to kind of integrate the things that you've really enjoyed in the past with kind of some sort of security so that you feel like you have both financial and personal security in your life then you're probably in the right place to be listening to this particular presentation you may also find that because of the recent changes, you're at some kind of crossroads. This could be a career crossroads. I know a lot of people are saying that, you know, they're kind of uncertain as to kind of where they want to be taking their next steps, where they see their work life going. And for a lot of people, it's it's kind of not really being able to kind of make that decision. or not really kind of finding necessarily the right course or job that might suit them best. So we can attend to that here in this session today. There may also be feelings of a little bit of sort of discontent or maybe not quite as feeling as as fulfilled in your life as either you have before. Or that you just kind of feel a little bit sort of unsettled with a sense of purpose. In other words, you're not necessarily completely in line with the the greater reason for being in the role that you're in or in your professional or personal life. So again, Ikigai as a concept can help you to identify and begin to ask some of the the carefully crafted questions that will allow you to get that sort of alignment and hopefully be bringing some kind of sense of purpose and fulfillment back into your life. And if it is a more profound reason that you're looking um, to answer, in other words, what is my reason for being here on this planet right here, right now? Why am I here? Um, And I know some of the people on this call will undoubtedly be in that situation. And, you know, for some of us, you know, we are searching. Some of us are a little kind of uncertain as to kind of what is this all about? And then you start to do what is called soul searching. And that is an interesting concept in itself. And we might touch on that, but that might be for another day. But it also might be that you are basically just fine, but maybe something doesn't necessarily quite feel quite right it doesn't necessarily feel that you know either in your work or your private life that you've got everything kind of sorted it might be there just a few little question marks going on and maybe just intuitively you know that there could be something more yeah you're happy yeah you're doing well yes you're progressing but it still just sort of niggles away at you that oh is there something more is there a bigger thing that i should be addressing am i actually going on the right path? And this is really where the concept, and it is a very ancient concept of Ikigai, maybe will help you to start kind of addressing some of those questions and maybe starting to think in a really kind of proactive way in terms of kind of where you can sort of take your life going forward. And of course, and as a a comments just popped up into the uh, the chat facility, is, is can unsettlement and discontent in your life lead to anxiety? And it can, if you let it control and drive you. I think when we talk about mindfulness and being self-aware and and kind of really being present in a situation or a scenario, um, or in your life in general, you kind of almost ease into the not knowing and you kind of celebrate the fact that this is a journey of discovery and that you might not have all the answers professionally or personally, and that's kind of fine. I think the problem comes, And this um, possibly leads uh, sort of out of the question that's been asked here is is, does this lead to anxiety? I think the problem comes when you start to chase things. So I'm not an advocate of chasing stuff, either professionally or personally. I'm an advocate of planning, I'm an advocate of kind of being very present and mindful and watching and listening and kind of constant learning, but I'm not an advocate of, of kind of struggling and chasing things. So I think as long as you're able to kind of be basically You know, enjoying the journey itself, then I think there's an opportunity to kind of really progress and really what um, Ikigai experts might describe as flourish. Okay, so what is Ikigai? Let's take a few sort of steps back and really understand why I keep using this word Ikigai. Well, Ikigai is an ancient Japanese personal awareness concept. Now, you can hear it described as lots of different things, but I'm going to call it a personal awareness concept. Okay, because it helps you to identify your fundamental reason for being your life purpose your career purpose your your whole essence if you like and it focuses on four main spheres in your life if you take the western version of it okay and that's where we're going to go with this today i'm going to talk to you about the four elements of ikigai that help you to get a deeper understanding if you're on this journey of discovery as to finding out the the fundamental why, why am I in this career? Why do I do this job? Why do I react in that way? And kind of, you know, what is my reason for being here? Then Ikigai in its four elements can help you to begin to uncover some of the opportunities that you have, some of the um, things that allow you to express the real you, professionally and personally. I'm gonna keep saying professionally and personally, because even though at this point we're looking for your personal Ikigai, the one that's really at the heart of you, you can see this kind of spin over into all aspects of your life. So the four fundamental building blocks, if you look at the common definition of Ikigai, and we're gonna explore this, and we're gonna be critical over this in just a moment, but if we start with the baseline of the four building blocks of Ikigai, Point one is it helps you to identify what you most love because wouldn't it be great living every single day doing the thing that you love most? Point two is it's establishing what you are best at, not just things that you can do but things that you excel in, your specialism, your expertise, your wisdom, whatever it happens to be, it's establishing what you're best at. Point three is it helps you to understand what the world needs from you. Ikigai is not something that happens in isolation. Yes, there's a lot of soul searching. There's a lot of heart searching. There's a lot of kind of inward self-reflection or introspection, to use a psychology term. But it's about understanding your place in society, your place in the world. It's about human interactions. So there will be collaboration, there will be looking at your relationships, professionally and personally, and there will be kind of understanding, where am I? Where do I need to be? Who, with a symbiotic relationship, in other words, a win-win relationship, might be able to help me on this journey? And point four, it identifies what you can be rewarded for. Now, this is a contentious one. For some people, when they see the word reward, they think be paid for, have a financial return from. But for some people, reward is feeling good. It's a feeling of success rather than a financial, monetary or commercial definition of success. So Ikigai can help you identify what you can be rewarded for. And we'll explore the definition of reward in just a moment. So you can see these four building blocks allow you to really critique what is going on, but importantly, pointing forward, allow you to see, OK, there's some elements here which probably have got some quite you know, interesting interplay between them. And that is Ikigai. It is the sweet spot between all four of these elements, that thing where it all comes together so that you are doing what you love, that you're really good at, that the world needs, that you can be rewarded for. And it might be just one single thing or maybe a small number of things combined together that are your ikigai that you can live and breathe every moment of every day. So if you decide that you want to plan your life and life includes work and play with ikigai, it does help you find what I'm going to talk about. and going to constantly reference as the sweet spot in the middle of these four spheres. Okay, and this will help you to, um, I guess, kind of, and it's using quite a spiritual term here, you find personal enlightenment. Okay, so it just it's almost like the light bulb comes on if you can use these four building blocks to uncover the opportunity that is this sweet spot in your life. And yours is different to mine, is different to everybody else on this session and is different to everybody you're going to encounter. It is hugely, incredibly personal to you. And that is why I always say that it starts you on this journey of manifesting this life that you might only ever have dreamed of, or you might have planned, or you might have set some goals for. Ikigai allows you to realise the dream. It allows you to realize the opportunity. So if it is that you're at a crossroads, ikigai can help you on the next step and making the choice of which path to take. If it is about, I need a new relationship, or if it is about, I want a new career, but I don't know really where to start to identify what would be appropriate. Ikigai and these four concentric circles that join together in that little moment, that little sweet spot in the center of them is the point and is your answer. And interestingly, when you get into the process of taking a little bit of time out to just think about the answers to the four questions that I'm going to pose to you in just a moment, it can be that the smallest of changes can make the most profound differences to your life. We might be talking a complete and utter revolution of your world, but we might also be talking about a small evolution of your world. It might just be that you're pretty much on track. And by reflecting and thinking about the answers to the four big questions, you might find, hey, I'm actually there. I just hadn't realized it. Or hey, I'm there, but I just need to be a bit more grateful for the world that I have, the opportunities that present themselves and just kind of settle in to a knowing that I'm on the right path and where I need to be and where I could be and even where I should be right here, right now. So Ikigai allows you to take that kind of self-awareness forward in the right direction to, and I've been talking about this a lot in 2022 so far, taking forward to a point of abundance. In other words, if you can find your ikigai, if you can find that sweet spot and be living it and breathing it, it's incredible how much abundance, how much more of the very same you will find in your world and in your life. And of course, finding ikigai, finding that sweet spot allows you to live every moment with your true purpose. Because you've kind of prioritized out, you've filtered away a number of things that possibly aren't serving you or that are wasting your time or sapping your energy. There is nothing worse than starting a day where you wake up in the morning and you get a sinking feeling, oh, I have to do that today, or mm, today's not really contributing to my bigger goal and my bigger picture. What a waste of energy, what a waste of time. You are never going to get this day again. So how far better to be living a life of Ikigai, where in every moment you're thinking, "Mm, I'm in the right place, I'm in the right space, I'm with the right people, I'm in the right job, I'm performing the right value, I'm giving the right sort of values of service, I'm just in the right place. And when you get somewhere near it, if not right into it, you will know. So Ikigai is more than knowing than it is an in-depth thinking. We probably have to begin by thinking to align ourselves with the big four questions. But once we get into those questions, it's much more about feeling your way through those questions. How do you you react when you're presented with an opportunity? How does that, that opportunity feel to you? So it is about getting quite sort of personally intimate with yourself and actually really listening to what your heart's saying, really listening to what your mind is chattering away saying. And listening to how your body's reacting, because if you kind of sort of find yourself recoiling at particular questions or answers when you ask those questions of yourself, then there's a sign. And we're not here to judge. We're never here to judge those things. We're here to observe and listen and think, hmm, why do I react in that way when I'm asked that question? Why, when I come up with that idea, do I feel in a certain way, very differently to how I just felt? What is it that I'm being triggered by? What can I learn from? So it is about an ongoing process of learning. Ikigai is that opportunity for us and if it we find that by starting off answering um, some of these questions that we're going to see and while we will do a deeper dive into the big four questions in a moment if we begin to answer some of these questions then what we find very very quickly is that actually what we're doing is we're making binary choices we're making comparisons between a before and after or an opportunity to go this way or that way and the more we can make these binary choices the simpler everything is to solve But what do we do? Most things. When we're at work and we're downloaded with a load of great opportunities in the day or a great big heavy sort of inbox or lots of different tasks to do. We kind of see them in totality. We kind of see them all as this great big mass of things and stuff. And then we feel anxiety and then we feel stressed. And it doesn't have to be that way. Simple binary choices. Shall I do this or shall I do this? Shall I make a judgment here? Or shall I make a judgment there? Shall I prioritize this or this? Is a far better way to solving the challenges that you face in your life professionally and personally than it is to try and solve everything in one attempt. We're human. We have limitations. You know, there is an expectation that we can so-called multitask. There is no such thing. The most effective way that we can behave and act and enjoy our lives is to be making binary choices simple decisions and the skill is in the simple decision making not taking too much on and again within ikigai that is why we're presented with some very very simple single decision points or single choices or single questions and those are the four questions that we're going to cover as we go through this session today because what we'll find and this is a really interesting thing is when we begin to look at Ikigai, we begin to ask ourselves the questions, and we started to look at those questions, the first question being, what is it that I love most in my life? And opening up and answering that question, well, that's interesting, isn't it? It's quite self, it's quite ego-driven, potentially, but what also, what am I good at? Can we be honest enough with ourselves to kind of say, this is what I'm really, really good at? And do we really understand what the world needs? Is it sustainability and lower carbon footprints and emissions and all these big ticket stuff? Is that what the world needs? And also, what can I be rewarded for? Well, open that question up, that Pandora's box of, well, I could be rewarded for a load of stuff. I could do this, I could do that. And it becomes very, very heavy. So if we're trying to find this sweet spot at the center, this thing that we're calling my ikigai, my general sort of high level purpose the true reason that i'm here what we potentially are doing is actually maybe asking ourselves the wrong questions and this is a really interesting point that has been raised by nick kemp who is the founder of something called ikigai tribe which is a an organization who are promoting the art of ikigai in its purest sense across the planet and nick says if you're using this thing of what I love, balance with what I'm good at, balance with what the world needs, balance with how I can be rewarded, you're missing the point. Because it isn't about those things. It is that you're actually asking yourself the wrong questions. Now, this is a really interesting debate because for me, that is a very simplistic way and a really effective way of beginning this journey of self discovery. But when we do ask those questions and we find our own personal answers and we start to figure out, well, does anything actually match all of that? Doing something I love that I can do, that I can be rewarded for, the world needs, and I'm actually quite good at it. If I can find that one thing, isn't that the answer? Well, Nick would say, it's the tip of the iceberg because for the Japanese, Nick would say that ikigai is something that is felt or sensed most often in meaningful relationships, hobbies, or maybe connecting with nature and helping others. It's not something to be paid for. Now that to me is a really interesting thing. I feel that there are some semantics in the way that I've earlier described this and the way that Nick describes it that means actually what we're looking for is one of the same thing. It is this wholeness. It is this idea of performing every day, performing every breath and every heartbeat in something that actually gives value back. So every moment being in the right place or the right space. So I think in many ways, we're talking about the same thing. And so those four fundamental basic questions I see as being really useful. But Nick would come back and say, every day on places like LinkedIn, many members are sharing this ikigai venn diagram framework these four concentric circles and with good intention believing it's the japanese concept of ikigai but actually whilst it's helpful and inspiring it has very little to do with ikigai at least from a japanese perspective which is where it all began so we need to kind of look a little bit deeper into this then there's a, a nice little um idea here that's kind of brewing and evolving and it's really interesting to kind of sort of explore but there's also a more fundamental point that if we can get to our purest answering and this is where it's really important to really really be authentic and honest with yourself if you can answer these four questions really authentically and honestly with yourself you might stand a chance of you know identifying the tip of that iceberg and if you can then you could be moving somewhere towards your Ikigai. Okay, so we've got two different definitions here. One is the Venn diagram, those four questions. What do I love? What am I good at? What can I be rewarded for? And what does the world need? The simple definition. Whereas Nick's Ikigai tribe definition is, no, it's the fundamental sweet spot that is your purpose that you're gonna live and breathe every day. So why Ikigai? Why do I keep coming up with this kind of almost dilemma, this dichotomy of a single word decision? Well, I see Ikigai as being the ability to identify and align your life with the things you love and that bring you the most joy. So if you think about that, what is it you most love and that bring you the most joy? Because if you can do that and find those the answers to those questions, then even if it is a small number of things, and it could be a lot of things, but for most of it, it's probably a small number of things that we truly love in our life that bring us the most joy. And if we can align ourselves with those things and do more of those things we've taken the very first step i believe second thing as well is to clarify your core strengths and the value that those things provide to those around you so whilst yeah we can talk about the big picture stuff you know the global economy the global need for you know reducing carbon footprint and stuff and those are amazing things and super important to the planet let's bring it closer to home let's do things here that can help us in our work the people around us how can we bring the strengths the core strengths and experience and wisdom and knowledge that we have to bear to provide value for those around us in work and at home super important stuff we need to be listing these things out we need to be identifying listening to what we actually believe are our strengths and and don't be embarrassed if you're doing this by yourself To find yourself embarrassed by some of these things might also be a sign and a trigger that something else is going on. So it's about honesty when you ask those questions. What are your core strengths? And the third point, finding out how to align your working and personal life with what the world needs. And this is where true listening to others comes into play. This is where actually active listening and just being constantly observant about the world around you then you can start to align your working and personal life with actually where the need is most and where the need is greatest and you often see this you know you'll see this in social where people you know have given everything up and they've sold their car and their house and they've moved to another land to help in a particular community they found it because they were listening now i'm not suggesting we all need to do that or would all want to do that but these are just nice neat examples where you can see that it actually does work and that people will pivot in their whole life, not just work, but also you know, life more generally, if they can find their Ikigai. And also the fourth point, again, about identifying how you can be rewarded and potentially paid for the skills and services you offer. But your definition of reward Okay, So it might be financial reward, and I'm really, really keen and actually quite passionate here that you define this for the way that it works for you. I'm not here to say it should or shouldn't be money, it shouldn't be monetary terms, or it should. If it needs to be, or if you want it to be, figure it out. You know, there is no right or wrong. This is personal to you, but that fourth question is a really, really important one because you need to see a return to maintain the momentum within your wicked guy so that it serves you and fuels you every single day. So, if we can integrate these answers here, and as I said a little bit earlier, sort of almost like feeling in your heart the answers when you get these four questions. Noticing how your mind chatters and tells stories and replays past experiences or maybe projects forward. Well, what will happen if I put that into my list? Is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? And interestingly, what will other people think? Is that a good thing? Is that a trigger? What's going on? Just listening to the responses you get are really really key here. And your body, how do you get a physical reaction? When you think of something you love, does your heart rate start to go up? When you feel something that actually I'm really good at in the world needs, but I'm really, you know, sort of thinking, I shouldn't really need to ask to be paid for that. Do you then sort of find your breathing changes? Do you get a reaction somewhere in your body? What is that meaning to you? Self-reflection here and personal awareness is everything. And if you can then start to listen to these signals, some of these triggers, these things that are going to allow you to go deeper into this analysis, then you will begin to start to manifest the life you desire because you're going to start to hear the answers that potentially, without going through an exercise like this, could just pass you by. And then you just are on this conveyor belt of everyday life, missing the points and missing the opportunities that are literally just running in parallel to you but you didn't spot them, or you didn't hear them, or you didn't listen to them. So remembering that you are a soul with a body, not a body with a soul. It's important that way. Let's go deep inside now and actually explore some of the most significant questions that I would describe as kind of the key drivers. Okay. And let's feel Just feel our way through this, not necessarily just think our way through this. We all have a tendency and depending on your culture and kind of how you were brought up and your um, sort of earlier programming, some of us think and some of us feel, some of us have a preference to think, some of us have a preference to feel our way through situations and scenarios. But for this exercise, let's spend a little bit of time feeling our way through it, okay? And you might find that that is fundamentally quite different to when you actually think your way through it. Just notice how that works. Okay, so it's time to feel as well as think. So just for the moment, just just remind yourself that what does your heart want and need as much as what is your mind giving you answers for? And this is all based in love okay we're going to try and do this around love not fear there are just two decision making points in this world as a human being it's based decisions based on love or decisions based on fear and just look at the way that you've lived your day today so far it's you'll be making decisions and making choices based around either love because you're really really into doing something or fear avoiding consequence so let's try and do this with a, a love basis rather than a fear basis And this isn't something that is any different if you're at work or if you're at home, it applies to everything that you're thinking about, okay? There's a fundamental difference between love decisions and fear-based decisions. We'll come onto that on another day, but it's really, really interesting to kind of sort of think about that as a very, very different way to kind of explore some of these opportunities. So let's do the first one then, okay? So don't only seek to do something that you love, okay? potentially do something that will give you a valuable learning experience. Interesting one. So Howard in the chat has just come up um, with the comment that when retired, one has a great opportunity to self-reflect and find the unpaid sweet point or person guy. a Thank you, Howard, you are absolutely correct there. And I think that was just perfect. It's almost like serendipity, the timing of your, your comment in the chat there, because yeah, absolutely. Do something that will give you a valuable learning experience whenever you're thinking about what is it I love? Don't just think about it as a sort of a self-fulfilling thing. Think about this as a continuous improvement journey, something you can do that will give you fulfillment going forward. And it doesn't matter whether you're starting out in your career, whether you're a, um, a child at school or whether you're retired and looking to do some maybe philanthropic work or wherever you are in your life doing something that will give you a valuable learning experience is at the heart of the way that the heart would define this question about what is it that you love okay so we're slightly tuning the definition here of these four questions and it's important to kind of remember that the way that you ask the question will skew the answer you get out at the other end so be careful with the way that you answer the question so our first question is what is it that I can do that will give me a valuable learning experience and that I love. Second question, okay. The original definition was, what am I good at? The alternative definition here is don't seek to do something that you're just good at, do something that will make you grow. OK, so when you're starting to come up with all these ideas, you're listening to your heart, you're watching your bodily reaction, you're starting to think about what is it I, you know, I'm good at? Think about also, but what is it that will actually make me grow? So out of all the things I come up, I might come up with 30 things or maybe even more things that actually um, I'm good at. To to a greater or lesser extent, but which out of those things will make me grow? Which one of those things will, which num- small number of those things will actually give me a more of an opportunity to become a bigger, more experienced, wiser person who then has more than to offer? Okay, so again, subtle difference, subtle change with that question that you should, and could. And hopefully will be answering both professionally and personally. There is no difference between work and there is no difference between play here. All of this can be available to you at a later point. And um, somebody's just come up into the chat and asked for with with this presentation be available after the webinar. The answer is yes, uh, you've been on this session. So you will get an opportunity to uh, we'll both watch it again, uh, but also to uh, sort of get the, uh, the slides for it. So yes, absolutely. Trying to watch the uh, the questions as they're coming through, and as I say, there is a Q and A at the end of this. So uh, if you're um, sort of you have a burning question, feel free to uh, to pop that into the chat as well. And uh, yes, hopefully I'll be able to answer it. So the next question, which was you know doing something uh, that the world needs, the alternative thing is not to be thinking of something grand that the world needs, something kind of that is global, but actually think about something a lot closer to home. Do something small. To make the people you care about feel needed, how do you feel differently when I say that? How does that actually resonate with your heart? How does your, your heart say, Oh no, I'd love that. What so I feel more needed you know by these other people because they're getting such amazing value, and you know they really do need this. they need me to problem solve for them or help them to do this or to do that. The, the the human nature of ikigai in this way that we're defining it is so much more powerful than just purely what does the world need and you come up with these great grand terms that you probably have only a marginal chance of being able to contribute to but keep it close to home keep it with the relationships that you already have or some that may be emerging in your life both professionally and personally this is a really interesting one because and alex has just said on the. Uh, the chat that the the big question. You know what the world needs is way too big, and if you're unclear about your purpose and, and what you want to do, thinking at a global scale is just too much for most of us. And I would certainly concur with that. So think more locally. Start from your closest relationships. Start about there, what does the world need? What does your, your world need? What are those closer relationships needing? And think of work and think at home as well. Think of your, if you do sport, or if you have a special interest, if you're in a community like that, or if you're doing work in your local community, where you live, think about what does that world need? So define world appropriately for you. If you do have a global footprint, you know you have, you're an influencer, you can touch a lot of people, then maybe there is an opportunity to do things at a larger scale. But size doesn't really matter here. We're talking about personal to you, okay? The smallest changes, there's a lot of you know, sort of phrases that come from ancient sort of Buddhism uh, sort of philosophies which say, you know, if a butterfly you know, flaps its wings on one side of the world and the other side of the world, there's a tornado. The knock-on effect of just little ripples that you can make in your world can make a profound difference to others. So, play with that, explore it, see what you can do. So, do something small to make the people you care about feel needed. I find that's a really fascinating one to think about there. And the alternative argument, and this comes from uh, Nick at uh, Ikigai Tribe, is don't seek to do something to get paid, do something freely to help others. Now, that's an interesting one. You might find that your Ikigai does involve you being financially rewarded for what it is you're doing. And there may well be reasons that you have for that. What we're not looking to do here is to say everybody has to be giving freely. Personalize this. Just know that when you say about getting paid or seeking reward in this Ikigai journey, answering these four questions, is that you're very careful to be authentic with the reward that you want to be receiving. And that actually what is coming through to you is appropriate. And if it is that it needs to be financial and you want it to be financial, I'm not here to judge and say that's wrong. The other end of the spectrum says we should all be giving freely because you will be rewarded appropriately because the universe will be listening and the world will see the value you're giving and you will, because of the law of attraction, be seeing returns coming to you in equal measure. Now, I do believe in that. I do actually think that has happened. And I've seen in my life, um, which is probably longer than a lot of people um, watching or listening to this, I've seen a lot of examples where that has been the case. And it's been fascinating to think, you know, I gave away without any attachment to what might happen as a result of me giving away that thing or that moment or that content or that time. The service that I gave then comes back to me in a reward might be financial, but it could be something fundamentally different. It could be a connection. It could be an opportunity, something that would never have happened if I hadn't given away freely. So I see the logic in this definition here. So play with the question, play with this idea, because it is a little different to the standard Ikigai definition, the standard Western Ikigai definition. And so it might resonate a little bit better with you. And so for me, that's a really nice, neat way of saying, again, this is all personalized to you. So yes, it's about what you love, it's about what you need, it's about what the world needs, it's about how you want to be rewarded, what you're good at, all of those lovely things, but you translate these and these alternate definitions in a way that works for you. And if you want to ask the question just subtly differently again, nobody's here to judge, personalize it, take it inward. And if it takes you one step further, on this journey of self-discovery and awareness then it was one step further than you would have been if you hadn't have done it so i'm always very very encouraging of personalizing and taking this forward in a way that works for you so my final four points before we get into the q a here my final four points are focus on your symbiotic relationships i mentioned that a little bit earlier those are relationships in your work and personal life where you find the most mutual value Okay, Ikigai really works and helps you find that sweet spot, living this kind of almost ultimate life when you can focus on your symbiotic relationships, the most important people in your world, both at work and at play. And so if you focus on those where there's most mutual value, you'll see the abundance coming from this good stuff that we're creating here. Okay, because that's the scaling factor. That's the thing that kind of duplicates and replicates out. Second point I would make is that knowing that your sweet spot is where you should be and where you can be every moment of every day. When you start to identify that there is something really sweet at the center here that, you know, I can be doing things I love, that I'm good at, that, you know, gives back some real value to the world. And yeah, I get something in return. Once you start to figure out those few things, it might might only be one thing, it might be just one thing that you can be present with every moment of every day then just know that this is where you were meant to be. This is your higher purpose. This is the place where you can always be from here onwards. And so once, of course, you find your Ikigai, you can't unknow it. You don't want to unknow it. There's no reason why you would unknow it. So trust it and go with the flow. It might take you what seems like forever to get there, okay? This isn't about a destination by the way. This is not what we're trying to get to. It's not, wait, there's my Ikigai book. There it is. Right. Job done. Right on to the next task for the day. That's not what Ikigai is. Ikigai is a constantly um, evolving, constantly reforming and fine-tuning journey for the rest of your life and maybe even beyond. Who knows? So keep revisiting four elements of Ikigai and fine-tune as you see your journey evolving in front of you these four elements, these four questions, and however you want to define them, a lovely sort of steering sort of elements and guides that will take you forward in your life. And do remember that this is from a work perspective, at the same time blended with a lifestyle perspective as well. You can't separate, well, you can separate, but it's not wise to, because it might be that your next job is gonna be something that you really, really love and you haven't been doing that. Or it might be that actually you're meant to leave what you're doing right now and start something different. Or it might be that that little idea you had at the back of your mind, that you thought I'd love to be entrepreneurial, but I'm not. Maybe you do have the skills that allow you to go forward and do this stuff. I'm not here to judge, I'm not here to give you the answer. The answer comes from within, and that is the point of the Ikigai. So I'd love to sort of hear what you think. I mean, those are the four kind of um, elements, if you like, that uh, we've been playing with. And I've had a uh, sort of direct message come through on the uh, the chat saying uh, from Edward, uh, in an increasingly busy and unpredictable working environment um, that businesses all across the country are facing at the moment, resilience and agility seems ever more essential for employees. With these skills, often comes high stress levels. What practical tips? Hmm, what practical tips uh, can be applied to managing these stress levels during this time, whilst maintaining positive mental health? Well, that is a really, really interesting, uh, really, really interesting. Uh, question i would say punctuation is one of the very very early and really really important things to be thinking about punctuate the day don't take everything as being you know this great big you know huge sort of you know massive stuff hitting you sort of between the eyes and you've got to solve it all instantly take punctuation break things down into little bite-sized manageable chunks Um, I'd also say another practical thing you could do would be to detach from the context. We often, when we feel stressed and when we feel anxious, particularly in this kind of work setting, is we feel that the issue is us. We feel actually part of the issue, whereas actually we're a human being, maybe observing the issue. So the more you can kind of distance yourself or detach yourself from the context can actually be really, really useful. And one of the other things which I'm going to be covering in a a future session is the idea of using nature as well to really enhance the self-awareness in those moments. So going for a walk out in nature, you know, even if the sun's shining or not, um, this is a really, really interesting one. So play with that as well. Just just getting out, just getting a break, punctuating, just getting out there. It's really, really important. Uh, Another question uh, that we've had through, um, what's a really good example you've experienced of the law of attraction? Well, there's a really good one. And I'm gonna be completely open and vulnerable and honest here. Um, I attracted my wife with the law of attraction. Okay, I've put it out there, I've said it in public now. I don't think I've ever done this in public before. Um, This is a pretty extreme example, isn't it? I knew that I I wanted to have somebody who would be a soulmate, somebody who would challenge me, somebody who would be on a journey with me. And I created um, in my guess in my heart as much as in my mind the feeling of actually being with that person and spending time with them Um, and I got quite obsessed over that feeling because it was a really positive feeling I thought my goodness you know I'm, I'm doing all this kind of stuff this personal and professional development stuff and you know wow wouldn't it be really great seeing that kind of progress and you know actually being with that kind of person and actually being able to do this hand in hand with them so there's the example. Um, I now I'm married to her, I've been married to her for coming up to about nine years now. And I could say I've never been happier. Um, it's, it's just an amazing thing. So there's my good example of the law of attraction in, um, in operation. Um, Tracy asks, um, thank you, Neil, enjoying the session. When, how did you discover Ichiga, and How has it changed your life? I think fundamentally, it is just given me the confidence to go with the heart decisions and to actually trust if I'm on the right track or not, rather than kind of overthinking it. I'm a very planful person in, if you've ever come across Myers-Briggs Profiling, um, I am your typical INTJ, the intuitive introverted thinking planner. Okay, as a, a, a combination of people, gosh, you wouldn't want to go on a date with one of those, would you? Um, but that basically is me. And I think what happened was when I found Ikigai, and Ikigai was something that emerged for me about 10 years ago, but it's only been in the last couple of years where I've actually really put it into practice, really done deep dives into it, explored it, and kind of realized that I'd found Ikigai despite Ikigai. And now I'm kind of almost like reverse engineering where I am here today on the basis of, gosh, actually, I knew guy. It's almost like a past life wisdom. Kind of showed me the route and kind of got me there. And then I realized, oh, Ikegai, there's the answer. That was the template I would have used had I not actually just been given the sign. So I kind of came at it almost in reverse. Um, and I couldn't honestly tell you the very first time I saw it. I think it was in social media. As a visual, um, the Venn diagram that I shared with you, this kind of you know four concentric circles and I thought hmm, oh, that's really simple actually I'm right in the center of there well I'm nearly there I kind of feel like I am now but I kind of at the time thought oh, I'm nearly there I'm just just a few little things I need to tweak maybe I could start sharing this and so of course you know that is the thing that has changed my life because actually my ikigai is sharing things like ikigai and actually, you know, being of value by helping people to kind of just become a little bit more more self-aware and kind of enjoy their journey. I'm not saying I have the answers, but I've got quite a few processes that I guess, because I'm a little bit older than most, have allowed me to kind of you know, be on that journey for longer. So I've listened. I'm a good listener. That is one of my core skills. So I guess I've just kind of fallen into that trap, really. Fallen into that thing that's and I'm living it and breathing it and loving it. So thank you, Tracy. That was a really nice uh, way of sort of saying, can I, can I can I, tell my own story there, really? So that's great. Um, and Alex says um, that I've been trying to figure out my purpose and what I feel I should actually want to do rather than what I feel I should do. Yeah, this word should and want, um, I've been talking a lot on social media actually this last week about this word should and trying to remove it from our um, from our lexicon, from the way that we kind of you know, use our choice of words. I would say it's really, really important to never If we can use the word should, it's really not helpful. Um, The word should implies that you're doing something subservient for everybody else. I should do this thing. I should go to that place. I should pick up the phone and speak to that person. Just listen to the way that sounded. Just even the tone of my voice wasn't helpful. So if you can take out should when you go through the Ikigai exercise and actually put in things like want, things like need, things like desire, things like dream. You know, words that are a little bit more emotive in a positive sense. If you can remove the word should. Thank you for reminding me, Alex. It's a really, really key thing to kind of take out of the mix. It is not going to serve you. It's not a helpful concept. So that is a really, really good one. Um, let's just uh, go down the list again, so we've got a, another um, sort of question here, uh, this one's from Naomi. Um, I like the ideas but I get burnt out when I overthink and when stuff gets too intense, what can I do? Oh, that's a, that's a deep one Naomi, thank you for that one. Um, I think, I think the key thing here is about pacing it. You know, if you have an opportunity to take yourself away into the hills or up the mountains or you know into the forest and really do you know sort of deep soul searching, using the concept of Vicar Guy, nobody's going to be around. You're not going to be disturbed, and you have you know a month to do it. Okay, okay, I'm just dreaming here. Now, most of us don't get the opportunity to spend anywhere near as much time doing this kind of stuff as we both would like and that we probably ought to be doing. So I would say is don't beat yourself up over getting burnt out when you think about this stuff is pace yourself. Um, We've all at the start of every day got 100 percent energy allocation. We then start to use that energy up. OK, so what I don't want you to do is think, oh, no, here's another thing I've got to do on top of an already busy, hectic day. I'm just going to get drained of all my energy. What I would say is if you can put aside just a little bit of time, maybe each day, maybe this is the first thing you do, first thing in the morning. I mean, What a lovely start to the day. You could build a personal habit of actually starting your day off in this way. Maybe that could be a nice, interesting start to the day. Maybe only five or 10 minutes just revisiting some of these questions, noticing how they feel, noticing what you hear. Could be quite interesting, actually, the way that you do that. So, yeah, I'd say think about the fact you've only got 100% of energy allocation for any one day and kind of figure out how much of that energy you want to put into something like this. You know, hopefully it'll be a lot and hopefully you get the opportunity for that. But if you don't, Then I'd say, okay, just be patient with yourself. Just be kind with yourself. That would be great. So thanks for that, Naomi. That's great. Um, Another uh, question that's popped up uh, anonymous on uh, the Q&A has said, I've been drawn to another career for over 15 years, but I've always feared that this wouldn't sustain me as a profession. It's tugged at me forever. How do I let the heart win over the head? Now, there's a very, very simple little quick thing, easy thing that you can do here. And um, this is talked a lot by people like Joe Dispenza and Greg Braden. Uh, Bruce Lipton, uh, a lot of these people who talk about heart coherence. And Greg Braden's a really, really fascinating character um, to to go and research and find out about this one. There's a whole kind of topic here that we could be doing another another session on. But I think for now, it's just literally about when you ask the questions that we talked about here, the four big questions. and You can do the, the earlier version or the slightly refined version is actually begin the question with the two words, my heart. Okay, it's as simple as that. Just say, and this basically taps then into your heart to answer the question rather than that chattery mind that you've got, which always wants to take over. You know, the ego is a great thing. The ego is, a, is an amazing thing, which helps us every single day understand our own identity, etc., etc. But there are times like this when it can really get in the way. So to take your thinking out of the way and to let your heart start to really answer the questions in a feeling kind of way, start the question with, my heart and then ask the question and then answer the question with my heart and then just see what comes out and i would suggest that some very very different answers will come out and the trick is not to judge the answers okay you're not committing to anything by what comes out you're not having to be judged by anyone else by what comes out so ease your way into those answers and almost enjoy what you see and what you um what you uncover because it could be really quite profound and you might find it as you say and then that you've been in this career for 15 years but that it doesn't really sustain you personally and that you might feel that there's something else kind of trying to sort of pull you in another direction let your heart not necessarily win the battle over your head because your head's going to have time to come back and it will respond believe me it really will respond but i think just by sort of announcing it right question is my heart ask the question my heart listen to the answer that comes through you're just giving your heart a little bit of space to contribute uh, we'll talk a lot about the heart by uh, body mind soul kind of convergence uh, in another session we don't really have time for that one here today but it's a big big and really powerful topic that we can cover uh, in another session but thank you very much for that uh, whoever you are you came through as anonymous on that one uh, so um, it's a really really great question um let's uh, look at the, so Howard has come back with saying an observation, 2022 versus 2021. This is an interesting one. Um, yeah, it's, it's different. Um, it is, I think we're all in a very, very different place. And I think the way that you would answer this, the way that I'm delivering this, Um, The way that I'm in my ikigai, I guess, um, is is really quite pertinent right here, right now versus what it was. I think for a lot of people last year, it was about survival. To me, this is not about survival this year. This is about the year of, well, my mantra for this year is awareness and abundance, being very, very aware of what's going to serve and what's going to be valuable and then creating a lot of abundance around that. So getting more of the good stuff and i think this is the opportunity and the time to be able to do that so yeah thank you very much for that it is it's got a different feel to it i really do think that and i think um a lot of people are also reflecting that so uh, hopefully that is going to be useful to you as well um final question just very conscious of the time here and these have been great questions thank you so much uh, for Uh, all of these questions that have come through really enjoyed uh, sort of talking about some of these extra little uh, spins and uh, and iterations here so Mel asks um, I do actually need more money and a promotion is it okay to keep that in my ikigai Um, yeah just a little bit of a uh, a sort of an additional sentiment on that one then Mel yeah absolutely it has to be personal to you we're all on different journeys Um, We're all going to be living different lengths of time in different places, doing different things with different skills, all providing different sets of value, hopefully lots of more increasing value and self-awareness. But yeah, be honest and do keep your ego in check. Just make sure that when you feel you need more money, it is that you feel you need more money and a promotion, not just that you think you do. OK, you'll know now the difference between the two. It's the head versus the heart. So just go inside and just have a little kind of um, dwell on that for just a little bit of time, because you might find actually one or other of the head or the heart is actually dominating the answer there. And if you um, you say you do actually need more money and, more, and a promotion, it is OK to keep that in your IKEA guide. If that is your IKEA guide, that is the answer. But make sure it is the right answer in the right space. Hopefully then that will give you the opportunity to kind of really find, you know, that ikigai, you know for yourself that is honest and true and it is actually yours.